are listening to Upside Down Trotted. Turning power inside out never sounded so good. I am Scott Mullen, and with me as always is Sean Namini. Oh, what a lovely time to be with you. Is it? The, the seasons are turning, temperatures are cooling. <laughs> and hey, the, this is your favorite time of year. You love is. autumn. It is. And the Why? Hate, and the Why? Hate... It's death. You reap the harvest. It's dead, and you go back well, to the earth to regenerate, but because... there's nothing else. It's because I like cooler temperatures, and cooler well, temperatures in the spring are a harbinger of warmer temperatures, but cooler temperatures in the fall are a harbinger of cooler temperatures on the way. So that that's why. Okay, I, and, right. and the legit. fall colors, and I and I just like that crispiness in the air. It's any, all the leaves are all that's right. The but you know, you know what else is in the air? What hatred for immigrants? They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. <laughs> if we're talking about America, I think yeah. that's been in the air for several hundred years now, last time I checked. But it's getting worse, is it? It is. It is. And I, I just, you know, I'd, ha- I'd have to say, what would you do? So so my dad, is he just constantly posts this stuff about immigrants. And it's it's like the biggest problem our society faces. And, of course, everybody heard what Donald Trump said. And, and so <laughs> unfortunately, I, this is what I would ask is what would you do? If you were living in some shithole, dangerous town in El Salvador, where the only options are be killed by the gang violence or be sucked up into the gang violence, and you had children, would you not do anything you could, including illegally immigrate to another country, to save your kids? Of course you would do that. Of course you would do that. It would make you a bad parent if you wouldn't. So before we continue to demonize these people, let's try to just put ourselves in that. I know that's okay, conservatives. I know that's hard for you sometimes. Empathy card. Unless it directly impacts you, you have a right, hard time separating yourself. It, yes, yes. Okay, I know, so, yeah, yeah. so just try a little harder and put yourself in the position <laughs> of those people. And then I think it, it it changes a little bit. And this is true for everything. You, it, if you if you want to understand something, or if you think something is a problem, instead of relying on uh, little sound bites or fear mongering, Faja. No, Dad. What about you? <laughs> uh, let's this show. You really are working out your, your daddy issues on the show. It's kind of let's... like, yeah, we want to do a service and you know help people uh, become aware and, and get involved in making this a better world for everybody. Uh, but then a little bit also, it's kind of like you know technically, uh, listener, give us your address so Sean can can send the check because you got to run the meter and listen to what he has to say about his dad. Well, uh, well just, that might, that might make two of he's us. The actually. most egregious, yeah, he's the most yeah. egregious offender that I know, and so right, it, right. It, it's let's good just, man, good man, yeah, very yeah, decent sure. man. Sure, right. but let's just take a step and let's try to think about somebody else's perspective whether we're demonizing welfare recipients which was another uh, one of his posts or or whether we're demonizing you know the the liberals who are destroying america or the conservatives are who, who are destroying america let's let's just take a step back and understand that people are people just like you and they have the same motivations they want they want the best for their family they might have different ideas about what that means but they want what's best and if we start with common ground then often we can end on common ground it's funny you say that too this idea about stop demonizing i'm i'm right when you say start telling the story i mean we never know what we're we're really going to say we have an idea about how the show is going to go but then it just kind of like it just happens uh i remember when i was in la and kcal thought they did a little gotcha journalism right you know because they were they saw a guy that was uh purportedly like you know living on the street right kind of change you know handling change and hitting up cars and like hey man can you spare some change and this that whatever else and then they followed him and he went around the corner and he got into a, uh, like a beat up Honda, his car, a beat up Honda. And then the journalists rush over, they go, gotcha, you're not really homeless, you know? And they show this to a local uh, nonprofit that deals with, you know, homeless families, specifically, you know, women and children. Because that's, you know, when you think of homeless, you think like, hey, uh, some guy that blew his chances in life and totally was on drugs. It's all his fault, the right? The poster it, child it, for demonization. Right, yes, right, right, exactly. Which actually the is stereotype. Ra- rarely, rarely the case, though. Right. Uh, and normally it's it's women and, and children, but but and again it's not like God, all right, we're gonna go off in a tangent town just for a little bit, but it's just like it's not like somebody wants that, and it's not like like just one day they decide oh, I just want to check out. There's a whole series of stuff, and we're all part of this. And yes, there's personal responsibility, but God damn it, it's a little bit bigger than that. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So uh, they showed that video 
to a local director of a, of a charity, right, that, that deals with homeless in Los Angeles. And they said, hey, what do you think of that? This guy's out there pretending to be homeless, and, uh, and he's not. And, the, and this, this director was fantastic. You know, he goes, well, listen, um, I don't know what it is personally to live on the street. I don't know what that's like. I couldn't imagine. I've got to imagine it's probably horrible. And I don't know what I would do if I were in that situation. I, you know, if, if, if he is on the street or isn't on the street is irrelevant. If he wants to come and work with me, I'll give him a job. Because he said he couldn't get a job. He's like, well, I'll give him a job. I'll give him a job. And the guy actually took him up on that and gave him a job. But like the whole like news station just kind of got like egg on their face because they're like, yeah, let's all pick on this guy. Right. They're expecting right. this director to be like, oh, that's, you know, there really are people with real problems. And not this, this guy's guy. problems. Hmm. Not this guy. This guy. We can all agree that he's a piece of shit. And the guy is just like, no, I don't know. I don't know his situation. And if he is, I can't, I, I can't possibly begin to, to tell you what I would do. Because they're like, well, you wouldn't do that, would you? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not in that situation. Maybe I would. If I hadn't eaten in a couple of days, maybe I would. It's like, but I'll tell you what, if that guy wants a job, I'll give him a job. And he gave him a job. And obviously so, somebody who has empathy, hence his choice of career yes, and profession yeah. and, and yeah, life purpose. Yeah, but shame on you, news. Hide your face. Uh, Shauna, can I give you a quick update? Yes, please do. About what's going on with me, and I know listener really wants to hear it. Speaking of charities, uh, come on, charities. Be smart with your money, with your resources, okay? Sean, uh, I haven't opened it yet. I was saving it for the show, and I know listener can't see it, but can you see this gargantuan wow. Wow. envelope? Okay, uh, about a pound and a half. That's not cheap. Pound and a half, all right? And this is from the Disabled Veterans National Foundation. It's a charity to which I've never given any money or support. Not that and it's, who could it, use money? Well, you they bet. need and to if save all the money well, they sure. can. Sure. I mean, we've veterans. done Wounded Warriors Project. I mean, sure. if it's legit, do the veterans need help? You bet they do. Our soldiers need help. Let's support them in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying it's not a noble cause, but I'm just saying, can we think about it, Sean? We did a show on economics. I'm just, and here, I haven't even opened it. Let's just take a look to see what they send somebody that's never given them anything before. Um, I'm not even kidding. Sean, I have a calculator. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> I have a calculator with an American flag on it. A huge, okay. huge okay. And you will attest to this. I This is fresh. <laughs> she didn't know this was coming. I just was like, when I got it, I was like, I'm holding that. I'm opening that on the show. It's like a Christmas present. Uh, and then to the left, I have my own stationery with a with a high gloss uh, pen here. This is not cheap. This isn't. And then there's like a, there's like a pad. There's like a writing pad underneath the stationery. So that it, you know, notes about all your donations to the disabled veterans. Well, and that's not even it. That's not even all I get. Let's see. There's something else here. They sent me two dollars and fifty cents. Cash it. They sent me hey, money. Upside down trodden. Thanks. Unless you need that for you know, but I'm, I'm claiming that for <laughs> well, the. Efforts, well, I mean, but, yeah. it's, but seriously, like, you know, like that's a gallon of gas right there. I'm just like, what do you get? What is your business model? Is it just like, let's, let's just, just shower him with gifts so that he goes, I can't believe I'm getting, I would be the biggest douche if I don't, but I got to be honest, I, I, I'm not giving you guys money and it's, it, I'm sure it's a noble cause, but I, I mean, I give to probably 15 different charities. You got to pick and choose. You right. got to pick and choose. Right. And I only can I, – I sort of like have a certain amount I can do each year, and I try to you know spread it up evenly over all these different causes that I love to give to. I'm sure this is a, a noble – I'll give you a shout-out, okay? It's the Disabled Veterans National Foundation, P.O. Box uh, 96262, Washington, D.C., 20090-6262. Send them a check uh, or look them up and give them some money. Or, but I, but or I, you can donate to the uh, Disabled Veterans National Foundation Kickstarter campaign because they're out of money because they send it to <laughs> – Stupid shit. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just such a bad. That, so I mean, come on. There's more. Oh shit! What is this? Oh god. All right. All right. Pictures, stationery, uh, address labels. That's uh, you expect that. But I did not. The swag bag. No, there was a calculator. I have a fucking you know this, and this enormous is not a cheap calculator. little pocket. It's this is like that a nobody CPA needs because every phone has a calculator on it. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I know it's like maybe they could join it with your phone book fetish, and uh, the two of them can uh, save some money. You know, it's better than 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 not having to raise more money is actually having to raise less money because you didn't blow money sending right. me stuff I'm never going to use. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, okay, let's just do the show. Let's I mean, do we're the talking show. To, yeah. UpsideDownTrotten.com. That is the website. The yes, email is. address is UpsideDownTrotten at gmail.com. There you go. Um, visit us, will you? 
uh, download the show, check out the features. Uh, we've always got something going on. Uh, there's there's going to be some uh, some more posts in, in the days to come here. And, and there's a lot up there already. Uh, check out some stuff Sean's put up, some stuff I'm putting up. Uh, if you don't like it, respond. Or, or let us know. Please. You know, please let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, are, are we even close to doing anything that interests you? <laughs> Does this hurt? Does that hurt? Okay, how's this feel? Um, how about the merchandise? Uh, hit the gear page. Um, get a shirt. Um, there's there's a whole slew of different styles and sizes and colors, and Sean is just just can't wait to make you a custom shirt and ship it to you. Can you, Sean? Cannot wait. That's right. Uh, you may have found us on iTunes, and if so, hit the subscribe button. We'll come to you twice a month automatically. You're welcome for that. Uh, also, rate the show while you're there. And uh, on our website, hit the community bulletin board. Uh, tell us what's on your mind, what's on your heart, what's in your soul. Uh, Thepoliticus.com. That's a site. Uh, that's Dam and Cherry's site out in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, shout out to them. Give them a looky-loo and a listen to. Uh, and of course, our, our sponsor, we love them, drinkforgood.com. Uh, you know all about them already, but if you're new to the show and this is the first episode, I'll give you a quickie. Uh, they've got cons bottles and awesome killer apparel that they sell. Uh, it's called a cause bottle because when you buy them, a certain amount of the proceeds goes to the cause that that bottle stands for. Local artisans are going to make these cool, you know, original designs. And then you've got this awesome Liberty bottle that's made up in Washington uh, with union labor. It's the only metal bottles that are currently being produced in the United States. Uh, I've been using the bottles for years. Sean's been using them for months. His whole family's got them. Everybody loves them. We love them. On the daily. Anyways, uh, step two of checkout, you automatically save 15% on your order if you put S-A-V-E-15, S-A-V-E-1-5 during step two of checkout in that little box there. Hit click. You'll save money. Uh, we gain because a little bit of uh, that money comes to us and we can help uh, stay on the airways here and bring you this quality content you've become accustomed to. And uh, you're going to help out those charities as well. Uh, and they're always uh, putting up new designs, new bottles, new charities. So, so, so if you've been there before but you haven't been there recently, go back. Check them out. Uh, Sean, I've got a just-worthy charity cause endeavor for the show that I would like to share with you and listener, if that's okay. Hit me. JustLabelIt.org. JustLabelIt.org. Studies show that more than 90% of Americans support mandatory labeling of genetically modified foods, right? GMOs or genetically modified organisms. Our reasons for wanting to know what's in our food may vary. What unifies us is the belief that it's our right to know. Without labeling of GMO foods, we cannot make informed choices about our food. The Just Label It campaign was created to advocate for the labeling of GMO foods. A legal petition calling for the mandatory labeling of GMO foods written by attorneys at the Center for Food Safety was submitted in September 2011 to the FDA. It was created on the premise that people have a right to know what is in their food and to give consumers not only a voice, but a choice in how they can take action. And on March 27, 2012, 180s after... 180 days after the petition was filed, over 1 million Americans had signed in support of labeling genetically modified foods. To date, the FDA petition has received over 1.4 million signatures, right? Hundreds of partner organizations representing the healthcare community, consumer advocates, farmers, concerned parents, environmentalists, food and farming organizations, businesses, and even faith-based communities, and many more, concerned with protecting the consumer's right, although I would say we're citizens, but I understand what they're, what they're doing with that, <laughs> to know, have joined together in support of the FDA petition and the mandatory labeling of genetically modified foods. So the whole point is that they hope to raise awareness of this issue and let Washington know that Americans want it. And that kind of goes into what we're talking about uh, tonight, right? Did we just tip it off here? Well, we did an episode on GMOs. Check that out if you'd like to. But tonight, we're uh, for this episode... We're going to be talking about food. So what do we mean by oh, food it, besides it, the it. obvious? Well, we refer to an essential aspect of the survival of any living organism. Consumption in order to provide energy for other necessary aspects of survival. Beyond the basics, food has traditionally been a way to bring cultures together, to ease tensions, to make mm. compacts, to find common ground. Let us break bread together. Yeah. For something that's so essential, we sure do lack the proper perspective on it. From food waste, consumption of food that is not food, food for profit, political coups to protect food for profit, obesity to, well, let's just say we're fucking ourselves royally at every turn. <laughs> Perhaps a more important question then is why are we such ignorant idiots when it comes to food? And I'd say if you want to uh, find out, then we did talk about it at the top of the show, but you could take a look at uh, the dumb brand stink post. Thank you. Good plug, Sean. Or do it. three posts, part, the three-part series that was a masterful and well-researched and well-thought-out and well-written um, rebuttal or attack 
on your <laughs> it was dad's. a rebuttal. It was okay. a rebuttal. Yeah, and and, and uh, long story short, my dad said, uh, "Hey, Young Brands is great. They're good. They're good for the uh, for, for business. They're good for America. They're good for jobs. They're good for." And I'm like, "No, they're awful across the board. Here's why." So anyway, it was a rebuttal. He he just didn't like that I didn't like what he did for a living, uh, and he tried to give me some literature to support that, and I used that literature mm-hmm. against him masterfully, like, like any good kid that should have been a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> So, so where do we start? The, the, I, I would say, um, and I've learned this through my nutrition classes as part of my PE credentialing, and, and um, you know, you have, to, you have to start local, and you get a lot of benefits from that. Um, but, but you have to look at, and this comes from Grace Communications Foundation, food, water, energy, um, local and regional food systems. What is a food system? A food system comprises all aspects of food production the way food is grown or raised, the way the food is harvested or slaughtered, and the way the food is processed, packaged, or otherwise prepared for consumer purchase. And food distribution, where and how the food is sold to consumers and how the food is transported. Food systems can be divided into two major types, the global industrial food system, boo, (laughs) of which there is only one, and sustainable local or regional food systems, of which there are many. The global industrial food system has a much wider geographic reach than a local or regional food system. So there's a lot there, uh, but I want to look at also some benefits that one might get from eating local foods because it's not just about the it's not just about the nutrition, but there's so much more to it. So this comes from Michigan State University Extension. Thank you, Spartans. This is Sparta! So for, for, for the first thing, locally grown food is full of flavor. When grown locally, the crops are picked at their peak of ripeness versus being harvested early in order to be shipped and distributed to your local retail mm-hmm. store. Many mm-hmm. times, produce at local markets has been picked within 24 hours of your purchase. Not only does that mean that you get the full flavor, but also oftentimes the nutrients have not developed fully until that's right. it's ripe. That's right. So you also get that. Uh, and that's to come. Uh, Eating local food is eating seasonally. Even though we wish strawberries were grown year-round in Michigan, the best time to eat them is when they can be purchased directly from a local grower. They're full of flavor, taste better than the ones available in the winter that have traveled thousands of miles and picked before they were ripe. Local food has more nutrients. Local food has a shorter time between harvesting your table and and it is less likely that the nutrient value has decreased. Food imported from faraway states and countries is often older, has traveled, and sits in distribution centers before it gets to your store. Mmm, delicious! Local food supports the local economy. Now, this is a big one. The money that is spent with local farmers and growers all stays close to home and is reinvested with businesses and services in your community. And that, you can't even stop that from happening. So if you if you invest in it, it's an investment in your local economy. If you're interested with jobs, again, conservatives, if you're interested with jobs, well, then spend your money locally, not to the corporations that uh, you're constantly bobbing their knob. Uh, fifth, local food benefits the environment. By purchasing locally grown foods, you help maintain farmland and green and or open space in your community, which is good in, in lots of different ways for the environment. Sixth, Local foods promote a safer food supply. The more steps there are between you and your food's source, the more chances there are for contamination. Yeah, or breakdown, right? That's or right. just just challenges, a man-made or natural. Right. You bet. Yeah, yeah. Food grown yeah. in distant locations Very vulnerable. has the potential for food safety issues at harvesting, washing, shipping, and distribution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And finally, local growers can tell you how the food was grown. You can ask what practices they use to raise and harvest the crops. When you know where your food comes from and who grew it, you know a lot more about that food. Most folks just don't seem to have a taste for testicles no more. Testicles? Yes, ma'am. Sheep balls. That's right. Tell them why yours are so tasty. Well, the trick is you've got to clip them off way up high. You know, this whole earth evolved uh, without human beings <laughs> doing what we do, the, the way it was supposed to, and the right. thing it's so it's so intelligent. If only is. we would just listen just to it, right? Just fucking let it do what it's always done no. before we came no. along. No, we it's know a, better. Yeah. We need to. Sh- Here's I, I love right. it. Uh, I need to grow uh, asparagus in Chile and then ship them to China to be packaged and then ship them to the United States. To be eaten. That, because that's the... What? Are you fucking crazy? Well, and didn't you say that something like 25% of the blueberries grown in Oregon 
are not no, consumed. No, 85 percent are exported to Korea, South Korea. I'm like, what are they You're making? Welcome, I'm like, I've South never had Korea. blueberry kimchi, but maybe I'm missing something. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, not that. And listen, okay, I mean, maybe you can have a certain amount of trade. You know, I mean, the trade's not bad, but 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 that, but but that's not about. Hey, we want to help each other create a win-win. That's just about money. That's, that's all right. that's about. You know, Isn't so. It all? I, Unfortunately, yes, <laughs> but we, we we have the capacity, right? Uh, producing is not the issue. I mean, we can produce plenty. Uh, currently, how we produce food, uh, naturally and organically speaking, uh, not with 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 uh, big ag and chemicals and whatever else, we have the capacity currently to produce as much uh, food to feed ten billion people if we wanted to right now. We could do that. That's that's not the issue. Yet, yet there are billions of people that go hungry. Uh, we have a food distribution problem. And, and talking about what you just talked about with this whole example, blueberries going to, to uh, South Korea. Uh, yes, we want to make sure that we're producing quality, nutrient-rich foods, right? Especially proteins and fats, right? Not just grains. Uh, we got to get a good diet, but but we can succeed in this endeavor. So uh, the main issue with hunger is getting food and sustainable food systems to people who aren't getting food and in many cases cannot pay for food, right? Not just the people who have access to and can pay for food. Uh, and MIT did a little study about this, about inadequate food distribution systems, right? Enough food is, is being produced worldwide to feed all the people in the world. However, despite the alarming truth, nearly a billion people, I think it's a little more than that, are suffering from chronic hunger every day. Okay, so maybe that's chronic, but there's different, there's different shades of hunger. Uh, and anybody that has any shade, even the lightest shade of gray of hunger, they need some food. We got to help them. Uh, and there we are a wide the range food. of, and, and we have the food. There are a wide <laughs> range of factors that contribute to the problem, but perhaps the most significant is poor food distribution. And it's, of course, it's by design. It's not that we can't fix this. It's that those currently ordered would not like to fix it, and that's got to change. The goal of food distribution is not only to connect the producers, such as farmers and fishermen, to consumers, um, citizens, but also to allocate the food accordingly. So challenges arise in deciding how the food is going to be distributed among the people, who has the power of distribution, and what methods should be used for distribution. The establishment of markets in which uh, producers directly sell their food to consumers is the most traditional method of distribution. However, due to many cases of inefficiency, food is usually transported to a central location and then distributed to other cities and villages, sometimes very far away, sometimes across multiple oceans. Uh, consumers, uh, citizens, have difficulty purchasing food because of their inability to access these markets or their inability to afford the costs. On the other end, farmers cannot sell their produce for the similar reasons. Therefore, the main problems with the current distribution system, lack of markets, the inadequacy of transportation to these markets, and the inability to afford the costs of production and consumption. But these are all things we can change if we want to, right, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. And and I just want to throw something in there, too. You know, California, we've talked about, is in our fourth year of drought. Awful. We're in a severe drought. Yeah. And California is also essentially the breadbasket for much of the world because it's it's a, a wonderful climate. That's changing. That we have. It's a, right. So it, it, it's, a, it's a very big problem, but it wouldn't be if we were just growing enough food for Californians. Right, right. We would have enough water to grow food for California. But it's a huge problem when all of a sudden we're, we're trying to provide for the world, not because we want to feed the world, but because we want to make a profit off of food production. Right, right. yeah. So, so that's, a, that's a big part of the issue. A, a, another huge part of the issue is waste. So this comes from uh, UNEP, United Nations Environment Program, uh, and Food Waste Facts. So the impact of food waste is not just financial. Environmentally, food waste leads to wasteful use of chemicals such as fertilizers and pesticides, more fuel used for transportation, and more rotting food, creating more methane, one of the most harmful greenhouse gases that contributes to climate change. Conservatives, Man. I know that's a hoax, but <laughs> you're going to have to get over that. The greatest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind! Methane is 23 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. The vast amount of food going to landfills makes a significant contribution to global warming. So let's just say you totally discount global warming. All right, but you cannot discount these numbers. So roughly one-third of the food produced in the world for human consumption every year, approximately 1.3 billion tons gets lost least, or wasted. At least, yes. Every year, consumers in rich countries waste almost as much food, 222 million tons, as the entire net food production of sub-Saharan Africa, 230 million yeah, tons. Yeah, the average American wastes about 250 pounds of food each year. 
Just one American, on average. Right. We waste more than Africa produces. <laughs> and there's a lot of hunger there. So maybe there, there's... And there's a lot of hunger in America, too. This It's embarrassing. It's not like this can't be fixed. That's right. That's right. You know, it's not like... I mean, and, and, and when I say it's a distribution problem, when you say that, you know, it, it, it is. But that's not... I'm not saying that, that then, oh, then are you saying how you produce everything is fine? I'm, no, I'm not. I'm, I mean, we can produce right. stuff differently, right? right? I'm t- we talk about pesticides and, and chemicals. And that, by the way, that's the number one problem of uh, contamination for rivers, and ra- uh, for rivers and lakes is runoff, big ag runoff. Right. That's the number one problem in, in North America. So, uh, yeah, you want to change how you produce it from that standpoint, you know, in, in the development of how you make the food and, the GMOs and doing it sustainably. And, yeah. yeah, and you don't want GMO either. But when I so, – so when we say production isn't the problem, I should probably clear, have clarified this earlier. It's the ability to produce enough food locally and responsibly. We can do that. That's not the problem. Yes. Uh, but how we currently do it now, that also needs to change too in addition to how we distribute it. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, you were saying. My bad. Okay. All right, so we'll just do a couple more. Food loss and waste also amount to a major squandering of resources, including water, land, energy, <sighs> capital, and needlessly produce greenhouse gas yeah. emissions. Yeah. In developing countries, food waste and losses occur mainly at early stages of the food value chain and can be traced back to financial, managerial, and technical constraints in harvesting techniques, as well as storage and cooling facilities. Yeah. Yep, Thus, yep, a strengthening yep. of the supply chain through the support of farmers and investment in infrastructure, transportation, as well as an expansion of the food and packaging industry could help to reduce the amount of food loss and waste. In the United States, 30% of all food worth about $48.3 billion is thrown away each year. America. And then just one one last thing on this. There, this is all part of this problem. You know, eat, eating locally would drastically cut down on waste. Uh, it would benefit you in other ways. Um, but also that you have to just look it up. This we're not going to focus too much on it this episode. But look up this idea of food deserts. And our our friend slash uh, a little bit not so Ron Finley talks about this where uh, in a lot of places it, in like ghettos and in, in urban. You know, okay, I want to get good food. Where can I get it? Well, you got to drive past uh, four McDonald's, three Wendy's, two Jack in the Boxes, four Burger Kings, uh, 12 liquor stores, a bunch of payday loan things, and maybe you'll find some. And that, that's, that's unacceptable. That's, a, that's, a, that's uh, the, the idea of food de- deserts. You can look up maps. You can, there's all sorts of stuff on that. But just, just look oh, yeah. into that. We won't go too much I'll into just it. Just look into food deserts. You're right. I mean, when I was doing uh, Inside Out with Jonathan in Los Angeles years back, I mean, we weren't going to Beverly Hills. Not that students in Beverly Hills don't deserve more art. Um, but, but going into really uh, inner urban and underserved communities – and it cha- man, it just changes. You know, you go below a certain street, you go east of a certain street, it changes. There's no Trader Joe's, there's no Whole Foods, there's no none of that's there. Yeah, you got bodegas, and there's no there's no or- organic food. No, uh, you got KFC and Taco grown. Bell and all the stuff right. about dumb brand stink. Currently up on the community bulletin board. Give it a give it a read. <laughs> Another plug there for you. But uh, I, I mean, I've been into like I would go into one of those bodegas like before I you know go work with the kids because I was hungry. I was like I got something to eat, and I had uh, I could do candy bars right or corn nuts or chips or soda or i went over and i was like oh they gotta have sandwiches or something here and even if it's pre-made and they had some pre-made stuff that was uh, past its sell-by date that had that white wonder bread with layered of mayonnaise no just nutrients. like just right. I, I mean the lettuce is Iceberg brown lettuce. the lettuce is brown uh and then then they have like a little fruit basket with apples and oranges and bananas that are all totally passed i mean like i mean Perfectly fine, probably, if you want to put them into a blender and make a smoothie, because then who gives a shit? But to eat right there, I mean, not appetizing. And people eat with their eyes, you know? And that's yeah, like one of the, yeah, first, when you go to the right. farmer's market, man, your your senses are enlivened. Man, you smell stuff, you see stuff, you get to, t- they let you taste it. That's all part of it. There's nothing there that makes you want to eat healthy at all. You're just like, let me get in, let me get out. And, and a lot of those students, too, are just like, hey, man, I, what, did they have cars? No. Did their families have cars? A lot of them didn't. You're like, oh, just right. drive somewhere. They can't. You can't even drive somewhere if you wanted to drive somewhere. You know, it's not an option. So, big problem. And yes, uh, Ron Finley, uh, who maybe will be a guest at some point on our show, the Ron Finley Project. Check it out. He's been all over that, and uh, and is doing some really good work in that department. Uh, I mean, there's a, we talked about urban gleaners. 
which is a, a nonprofit here in Portland, which solves the problem. Moda Center, right? Which I call the Rose Quarter because, goddammit, it's the Rose Quarter. And that's where the Blazers play. Uh, they're having functions there almost every single day. They got their own huge kitchen, huge staff. They're making tons of food. And guess what? They never don't make enough. In fact, they always make way more than they need because they don't want any of those high-profile guests that come in for these big functions to not have that food that they want. And they've just been throwing it away. So Urban Gleaners stepped in, and they're like, hey, listen, uh, we have vans that are that are climate-controlled. If we just came and just picked it up, you just want to let us know when you're done with an event, anything that's left over? Because they're like, yeah, we just throw it away. Okay, how about don't throw it away? How about just let us know what's an over? Perfectly good food. We'll come pick it up, and we'll take it somewhere right away. We'll take it to we'll take and it. We know some hungry people. We know there's plenty. And so, you know, whether it's a school or whether it's a shelter or whether it's just a local food market, uh, you know, Urban Gleaners really uh, took initiative to, to different communities around Portland that are experiencing food insecurity. Uh, they would set up like weekly markets. So this market's on Thursday and this part, this market's on Saturday at that part. And they would time it because it's a, it's a logistics, really. It's, you know, smoke and mirrors. But once you figure out when something becomes available and then the next place where you could take it. All of a sudden, you've got this really cool schedule, and you can start to figure out how to solve this problem. I'm just moving something from point A to point B. People are like, oh, my God. And when you bring people food that need food, oh, my God. They're so thankful, so appreciative, you know? And it's you think that you did something amazing. All you did was bring it from a place that you used to throw it away and give it to them. That's all you're doing. All the, all the cost is already baked into it, no pun intended, you know? So why not? And in the process, you're, you're keeping it out of the landfill, so you're doing a good environmental deed as well. The thing about uh, your area, Sean, I'll, I'll give you guys a tout, right? Northern California. Do you have some uh, food insecurity down in your neck of the woods? You bet you do. If you're in America, you do. Villageharvest.org, uh, a nonprofit volunteer organization in Northern California whose mission is to provide food for the hungry, preserve the heritage and skills, and promote sustainable use of urban resources. So they organize and coordinate backyard fruit harvesting. Here's another way to help with distribution and provide education on Fruit tree care, harvesting, and food preservation. Hey, man, I got a couple of apple trees out back. I don't really know anything about it. They were here when I got the house. Uh, but now they're producing so many apples, I can't eat them. I'm going to make apple pie and apple this. And I just still are falling off the, hey, thanks for letting me know. We're Village Harvest. We'll come by. We'll pick it up because we know people that want it. So how about that? It's like the guy you know, who's there may not uh, take it upon himself. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's working a couple of jobs trying to make it in these United States of America. He doesn't have time to do it, but he want to do it. Don't worry. We'll come in. We'll pick it up. We'll take it somewhere. We'll make sure it doesn't go to waste. I mean, that, that's part of the solution, isn't it? Everybody wins. Everybody wins. And this is this is that's the part that I really, you know, Urban Gleaners, I like what they do because they're taking food that's already been produced, uh, which took up energy and labor and all that to produce. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, and, and eliminating that waste. But what I like about these guys is it's what about the, the stuff that's just falling off trees yeah, right. that people just have? I mean, that's everywhere. just food. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. If, if, if that were in Africa, that people would be running to that tree. People would just camp out underneath it. You know, it wouldn't last very long. Yeah. And, and so I really I really like what they're doing there. And you, you've changed a couple times from consumer to citizen. And I really think that we have to be aware that we are both. We've, we've said many times that you have to consume to live. Everything has to consume something. It gives you that energy. We said it in, in the opening of, of the show. If you do that without thinking, then you're really just fucking all of us over. And so I always will try to tell my students and anybody who will listen, thank you for listening, listener, <laughs> that you have two real sources of power as an individual. One is a citizen, as a citizen of your community, as a citizen of your state, of your region, of your nation, of this world, as a citizen. So you have incredible power as a citizen, and, and to not do anything about it, to, to just like, well, stupid fucking government. Well, what are you doing? It's right, your right, government. Right. And then as a consumer, with, with, your, with what you consume, when, how, why, how much, you're, you're, you have incredible power, especially when we do it collectively. And that's really kind of what we're, what's behind everything, the, the, the movie that we're making, the name of our podcast, the name of our website, the name of our company, is, is when collectively Good we have an immense promotion, by the way, Sean. Yes, well done. You're welcome. I like that. And, and so we just have to understand that we are consumers, whether we like it or not, and if we, we, are, we can either be consumers that help the overall global system or consumers that hurt the global system. And I know you're thinking, well, why am I hurting the system if I go to McDonald's? Well, then go back and listen to the shows. <laughs> okay, right. because there's lots of ways that you're hurting the overall global system. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I'm loving it.
in in this system we exist and it's it's our system and if we just let it come to us and somebody else will co-opt it and and take it and if you were to measure cancer's gdp growth domestic product <laughs> right well it's off the charts look at that growth rate wow yeah look at that growth rate and then what happens if you know we're, we're so cons- concerned with growth and progress and production because well because then what comes next consumption that's cancerous concern too and yes we could look at cancer and say wow look at it. it's just dominating all the other cells wow that look at that that liver tissue had nothing on that cancer well yeah that's all well and good it has <laughs> cancer an, an, an is the maker and your healthy t-cells are the takers you see cancer's trying to get something <laughs> made and done yes to kill you ultimately is the end but but you understand how cancer's hard working cancer pulls itself up from its bootstraps cancer isn't looking for a handout it just takes it Right, it's in. We we create more cells because we replicate uh, by consuming all the. So anyway, we just, can, just be can, aware. Cancer. We do more before eight a.m. to your body <laughs> than than a healthy but, apple can do all year long. Anyway, okay. But what comes next as a consumer? What comes next? The destruction of the total system. So don't forget that. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, speaking of destruction, uh, that's an excellent segue into uh, multinational corporations. Right, Sean? And how they do like to destroy <laughs> things with regard to food, do they not? Even south of the border. Well, yeah, the, this was the Monroe Doctrine set forth that uh, the Western Hemisphere, to all you European empires, the Western Hemisphere, that's our little bitch. Don't fuck around here. This is our bitches. You got your bitches, we got ours. And so, uh, you know, in, in 1952, we, we started uh, Harry Truman authorized Operation PB Fortune. Which was to to topple uh, Arbenz, who was democratically elected, uh, and they they used this whole smokescreen that it's the Cold War that they're well there's socialist ties and socialism. The next step is communism. The next step is world domination, and the godless communists will destroy us all. They they use that as a smokescreen, but really, as with all American intervention, it has to do with finances of very powerful companies, and the the very powerful company in this instance was the United Fruit Company. And it was a hugely profitable business Huge. in Guatemala. Very profitable, it, very classy, very brassy company. Yes, and they had making, brutal labor. Making fruit great again. <laughs> and they had brutal labor practices. And they were coming into this place, making the locals work for the food, using the local land to grow the food, using, using their influence with the local uh, politicians to make sure that that food goes with them. And then taking that food and sending it somewhere else for profit, not for food, not because people are hungry, no. but for profit. And then uh, our Benz and, and uh, these um, Juan Jose Aravalo, uh, they wanted to turn it into a liberal capitalist society. Mm. They wanted to include minimum wage laws, all these things, all these very commie things that are just, you know, to mm. protect basic human freedom. Mm. And United Fruit didn't like that. And so the president of the United States, the CIA, got involved. So food, it's... It's a very political issue. It's not just uh, what I put in my face um, <laughs> because I'm hungry and it's 2 a.m. and I need to live moss. Some people put it elsewhere, too. But that's another sure. show. That's a whole – that's just a family show right now. Sure. Um, but it's a, it's a very political issue as well. And, and again, it's not letting those local people yeah. have local control yeah. of their food system as we outlined at the onset. Yeah, and – I mean, it's it's insidious, isn't it? I mean, because if honestly, if the powers that be told people the truth, like pulled back the you know the shiny happy mask to reveal the you know the the iron face of you know, or was it the velvet glove with the iron fist? Is that what it is? You know, but but the the, the veneer of I'm here for you to realize that it's just totally about violence and control and destruction, what have you. If if they which by the way, sorry, but that followed, that followed. Because that we put in place a military dictatorship again, same thing in in, in Chile and all these other. Oh, places. that's the playbook, Saddam baby. Hussein. Yeah. So we, we and and then it's decades of horrible conditions for people just so that United Fruit can keep control. Right. I mean, look at and, look and at the US uh, Chile and Pinochet. Look at Argentina. Look at El Salvador. I mean, take your pick. I mean, this is what we do. Uh, Philippines, for Christ's sake. Anyway, uh, yeah, but yeah, um, it, it is very sneaky. And so uh, there's all you know. Then this is where you kind of get the wordsmiths involved, and then you also get uh, well, um, Monsanto's tobacco files. University scientists caught conspiring. What? With biotech industry. 
to manipulate public opinion on GMOs. So they really will fight it at every turn, whether it's you know tanks and guns in the street or with wordsmiths or, well, I just need to buy some uh, scientists that can get out there and try to create doubt or, you know, or, or, or give the, 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 the appearance that it's okay. I mean, there's that old thing you know, back in the day and the 15s, right? Four out of five doctors recommend right. camels. You try smoking for a week and tell me if your throat doesn't feel better. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm, not, I'm making that up. That's an ad. It was fucking. It was on their on their cigarettes, you know. Um, so Dave was talking about this. Dave Murphy over at EcoWatch. What happens when a private company with a long history of producing some of the most toxic chemicals on the planet, and now produces our food, starts facing public pressure from a growing national grassroots movement to label their products to conform with basic principles of democracy and transparency? We were talking about this. Just label it.org, baby. Gwyneth is waiting for you. <laughs> uh, well, if the company in question is Monsanto. And you take a page out of Big Tobacco's playbook from back in the day, you hatch a secret plan to enlist public university scientists to bury the potential harm of your genetically engineered crops by whitewashing negative studies and systematically demonizing your opponents in the media to mislead elected officials and the American public about the safety of GMOs and their accompanying toxic pesticides. Um, Monsanto and the biotech industry are copying these same big tobacco tactics from days of yore, uh, this time hiding behind the facade of public university scientists and hiring major PR, PR firms to promote GMOs and their toxic weed killer, glyphosate, better known as like, you know, Roundup, um, uh, which some scientists are offering to drink on Twitter and in front of classrooms of students to prove Please it's... Do. Safety in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. And hide the fact that it's harmful to humans and the environment. Uh, last weekend, and this just came out uh, uh, back in uh, mid-September here on the 12th, uh, the New York Times released a stunning expose of how Monsanto and the biotech industry enlisted allegedly independent, allegedly, public university scientists in a deceptive campaign to lobby state legislators in Pennsylvania, interfere with ballot initiatives in Oregon. Uh, I know about that one very well. All too uh, that well. was a nasty fight. And, and we will get it. And we will get it. By the way, uh, outspent 17 to 1, and we lost by maybe 1,000 votes. And that was just misinformation. You can't do it forever. At some point, it's going to turn, and Oregon's going to make you fucking... Oh, I can't wait to... Uh, and Colorado, and paper over risks of high pesticide usage on the Hawaiian island of Kauai. So according to New York Times investigative reporter Eric Lipton, as the GMO labeling debate was coming to a boil in America over the past three years, Monsanto and their industry partners retooled their lobbying and public relations strategy to spotlight a rarefied group of advocates. Academics. Right? Bought and paid for ones. Of course. Uh, brought in... For the gloss of impartiality and weight of authority that come with a professor's pedigree. So this is, this is, nothing is off limits. This is a tactical decision that they're making. And it's been working. It's staving off this change. Even though ultimately, just like the tobacco industry, it's going to happen. They're just trying to, to, to keep it, you know, contained as long as they can because it's about money. Big, big billions of dollars. That also starts to be about money and controlling food and controlling seed. And that's ultimately Patenting what they want. Food. They want to control patenting and controlling food because then you can't even grow your own shit anymore. Now you have to, you already have to pay to live in the society and we'll get more on that in my action plan, but you literally have to pay. You can't even do it yourself anymore. I want to take that away from you and go look at some of Vandana Shiva's work in this department. She's been all over Monsanto in the world according to Monsanto and Coca-Cola for that matter. Uh, but anyway, uh, this, this is sneaky, man. There's nothing they won't do. There's no level they won't stoop to. They're inventing new ways to try to keep the status quo, but to Sean's point, whether it's United Fruit Company or in, in Monsanto, uh, we got to do better than this. That's right. And they're not the only ones, right? No. So let's highlight all these Bastoviches, if you will, by bringing back a segment, Lists. So would you uh, let us know exactly what the list is, and then I'll get us started, if you would. What are we, okay, what are we looking at? Okay, so naturalnews.com <clears throat> has a little ditty here. <laughs> Modern American food supply is a torturous minefield of synthetic additives, toxic flavoring agents, thanks Clark Griswold, and artificially engineered ingredients that are making people sick. And the following nine food corporations, rounded out by the world's most evil corporation, yet to be named, are among the worst offenders when it comes to not only using these poisons in their products, but to also lying about their presence Ooh. to consumers. So we're just going to go down the list, thus lists. Uh, Sean, what's number nine? The number nine worst food and put, <laughs> I'm doing my uh, Chris Farley air quotes. Yes. Food corporation, edible food like substance, but food corporations. What's number nine worst? Number nine would be ConAgra. Just the name. Does that sound appetizing? ConAgra. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, of course it doesn't. This prolific processed food brand, which boasts a presence in 99% of American households, that's us consumers, is guilty of lying about the nature of its food products. The claim that ConAgra food pro products are made with all natural ingredients is patently false, and the company has been repeatedly convicted of selling tainted food to customers. Sounds delicious. Number eight goes to General Mills. Uh, besides actively lobbying against legislation to require labeling for genetically modified organisms, General Mills sees no problem using toxic, toxic ingredients like trisodium phosphate, TSP, or uh, butylated hydroxytoluene, BHT, and of course GMOs in its many product lines, including those marketed to children, not the children. <laughs> oh, God. Of course the children. Number seven on this dubious list Craft Foods. Just take a look at the ingredients list on a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese, and you'll see why this prominent household <laughs> name is regarded by many as a poison peddler. Yes. Petroleum-derived yellow number six. Mmm, that's my favorite yellow. <laughs> Which is used in the American version of Kraft's mac and cheese product up until 2013, has been linked to behavioral problems, asthma, skin problems, and cancer. Kraft has also been accused of using illegal GMO wheat in its mac and cheese product. Mmm, delicious. Number six goes to Heinz. If you enjoy consuming high amounts of high-fructose corn syrups, Heinz is the brand for you. Its iconic ketchup product is loaded with the GMO corn derivative, as well as pesticides and other contaminants. Heinz also opposes your right to know what's in your food. Thanks, Heinz. Number five, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Everyone knows that sweetened soda beverages like the kind sold by Coca-Cola aren't exactly the healthiest food products on the market. But did you know that Coca-Cola actively uses more than half a dozen chemical additives with known toxicity in its products? Now you Oh, do. I'm thirsty. These include caramel color, a food coloring agent, sodium cyclamate, a synthetic sugar substitute, acesulfame potassium, a highly addictive sugar, a highly addictive sugar substitute linked to cardiovascular and nervous system damage, and aspartame. A sugar substitute linked to brain tumors, multiple sclerosis, epilepsy, chronic fatigue, Alzheimer's disease, and more. Oh, wow. That sounds wonderful. I'm going to go have a Coke and smile. I mean, if I can get my muscles to, to, to move in that direction. Uh, so number four, uh, Nestle. This international processed food purveyor, and again, foods in quotes, which has been in the news a lot lately for bottling and selling California's scarce water reserves right now in the middle of the drought. Uh, have you no shame, Nestle? No, they don't. They don't care. They want, not, that, they want that water, involved. what's left of it, for free so they can bottle it and sell it to you at a premium. They've been exposed for using GMOs in their infant formulas, not the children again. Oh, Nestle. The company's Purina division, that's dog food, was also sued for using the toxin propylene glycol in dog food. So some dogs die, but, you know, hey, that's a cost of doing business. <laughs> Number three on the list. Kellogg's, this gem of a company with market, which markets a number of products aimed at young children, spent more than $2.1 million in 2014 to block the passage of GMO labeling initiatives in California, Washington, and Oregon. Mm. Kellogg's mm. has also been exposed for using GMO corn laced with glyphosate and mm -hmm. BT, and BT mm -hmm. toxin in some of its products. PepsiCo's number two. Like the Coca-Cola company, PepsiCo has made an art out of marketing poison as pleasure. <laughs> the company was required to change its soft drink formula after California passed a law mandating that products containing cancer-causing ingredients, like PepsiCo products do, to be labeled as such. PepsiCo still uses a substance known as 4-methyl-limidazole. I'm not a chemist. I don't purport to be. Or 4-mel. Hopefully not four mil. That, that makes She's it kind of sweet. sound like it's She's your sweet. neighbor for mil. Yeah, we'll do it for mil. Who? Uh, Gibson. Oh no, not him. Uh, uh, that have been linked to causing cancer in humans. So thanks for that. Uh, I feel like maybe I should get a coke <laughs> after hearing that one. Okay, all right. Anyway. And number one should come as no surprise. No Monsanto, surprise. Monsanto, the world's most evil corporation, according to this website. And I don't know, Coke Industries will give you a run-in for that. There is best known for forging the current regulatory environment in the U.S. that allows untested, unsafe GMOs to litter the food supply. Mm. Monsanto's entire business model, in fact, centers around seizing control of agriculture, modifying it, and selling it back to farmers and the public as its own, abusing patent lo protection laws and hiring private mercenary groups like Blackwater to protect its interests. Wow, you know when you're hiring rogue armies with guns and tanks to, uh, to ensure that business continues 
uh, on uninterrupted, uh, then you must be doing something right. I mean, obviously, uh, nobody uh, disagrees with what you're doing. Otherwise, why would you be hiring your own private army? Or maybe they do. And maybe it's time to push back and not be intimidated by them and demand that we know what the fuck we're eating. Okay? So how are we going to do that? Then? How are we going to fix this? What are we going to do with this food problem, Sean? First, I would say destroy those who would manipulate the food supply for their own benefit and at our expense. Do this however you choose. For me, I will do my best to eat locally produced, healthy, responsibly created and grown food products, including those grown in my own backyard. Good boy. In the event that I cannot satisfy all three criteria, then one or two out of three ain't bad. If you have other political, economic or cultural ways to destroy parasites like Monsanto, then by all means, engage. (laughs) <laughs> yes number, please. number two read the book mad cowboy plain truth from the cattle rancher who won't eat meat by howard yeah. f lyman with sounds Richard. interesting yeah he was a fourth generation montana rancher he investigated the use of chemicals in agriculture after developing a spinal tumor that nearly paralyzed him he's now a vegetarian he blasts through the propaganda of beef and dairy interests and the government agencies that protect them to expose an animal-based diet as the primary cause of cancer heart disease and obesity in this country he warns that the livestock industry is repeating the mistakes that led to to the to mad cow disease in England while simultaneously causing serious damage to the environment. Well, it, in, in an animal-based diet of animals that are produced, uh, you know, irresponsibly. Let's, right. let's just get that out. I mean, if you right, know your which, local butcher which, and you have your local right. farm and they're cared for and, you know, okay. And but, that's, but, yeah, just, but that's I, the whole I know, point of his book. That. Yeah, that's sure, right. Sure. So it's persuasive, straightforward, and, and full of the down-home good humor and optimism of the son of the soil. <laughs> this sounds like Mad a Cowboy a shooter, is both an inspirational story of personal transformation because he lost like 180 pounds. I read the book myself. And, oh, great. I uh, love it. That sounds and awesome. And a great. convincing call to action for a plant-based diet for the good of the planet and the health of us all. Perfect. And uh, that's all I have, Scott. <laughs> well done. Well, how about this? Think critically, feel deeply, and ask questions, even about your food. Next time you visit wherever it is that you get your food, um, ask your food purveyor where they source it right? Where they source whatever it is that you're buying from them. Purchasing ground chuck? Well, they better know from which farm the meat came. No pun intended. And it better be locally or responsibly sourced, produced, and distributed. If it isn't, ask them why. If they don't have an answer, work your way up the food chain of workers uh, until you find someone who does have an answer. And the answer is going to be one of three answers. The answer is going to be, well, we do know the answer to your question, sir, and, and we will provide this information to you. And this is the answer that you're hoping for, by the way. Uh, yeah, you want to be an educated consumer, uh, even though we're citizens and not consumers. I even wrote that down. I had to. <laughs> and we want to support that. So thanks for asking us about where your food comes from. That's option one. Option two, they'll say, well, we don't know. Uh, and we need to know, so we're going to find out. Hey, they're not perfect, and who is other than John Stamos? But they want to do a better job. And this is admirable, especially if they mean it, and eventually come through with some answers for you, okay? Or the third option, I have a feeling you might get this a fair amount, unfortunately. Well, we, we, we don't know and we don't care. Uh, so in essence, go fuck yourself. <laughs> By the way, if you ultimately do get that answer from wherever it is that you're shopping, it's time to start shopping elsewhere, okay? Number two, this civilization is a racket. It would have you believe that you need to pay just to live, like we were talking about earlier. And this certainly includes paying to eat. Poppycock, say Sean and I. This is yet another mass delusion. Hogwash. This is yet another mass delusion magic spell cast upon the droves of unwitting sheeple asleep at the wheel. It's time to wake up and push back. Cultivate your own food options. Yes, grow your own food. But that's not all you can do. You can forage, you can work, you can trade and barter. And how about this? You can homestead. All right, and here's a quick little class. I know we're trying to get out of here. Uh, this is from Mother Earth News about homesteading. The term homesteading, you may have heard it, it might be familiar, but its usage can cause some confusion as its meaning has changed over the decades. So for years, the word referred to a free government land program and the skills necessary for pioneer living. Today, the word homesteading is more apt to refer to a lifestyle that promotes greater self-sufficiency. We're using the phrase uh, 21st century homesteading, right? Uh, or you can just say it's synonymous when you say homesteading now. It's all about self-sufficiency, wherever you live. It's about using less energy, eating wholesome local food, like Sean was talking about, involving your family in the life of the community and making wiser choices that will improve your quality of life for your family, your community, and the environment around you. So with today's advanced technology, living off the grid doesn't mean going without electricity. 
But you can produce your own with PV, right? Photovoltaics, hydropower or wind turbines. In addition, home businesses are no longer limited to farm produce stands and craft sales, but can include marketing of home business and telecommuting via the internet. Um, so I will add that homesteading doesn't have to be done all by yourself. All right. In fact, there are homesteading communities that are coming together right as you listen to, listen to the show, listener, and they're getting their needs met, and it includes food. DIY, do it yourself. Uh, that's so uh, 1980. It's DIO, do it ourselves. Ooh, I like that. Okay. A big part of homesteading involves cultivating and providing food. Sure, gardening and farming are huge components, but there's, they're, they're keeping bees, they're raising hogs, they're keeping livestock. Sean, you guys have chickens. Well done, you're part of it. Uh, building fish farms and so on and so forth. We can feed ourselves. We can do this. We are doing this. Are you doing this, listener? If not, there are countless ways to get started. Here are three great leads. Moneylessmanifesto.org. Uh, that's about uh, this awesome guy, Mark Boyle. He's called the Moneyless Man. He's been he's got a book. He's been on uh, doing TED talks. He's been living without money. Uh, talks all about how he survived and how he eats. You can eat without money? Yeah, you can. You got to get a little creative, but he found a way to do it. How about foodnotlawns.com? Uh, I'll just give you the, the quick version about that. Like, you got a lawn? Uh, okay, tear it up. <laughs> Grow food. There's a lot of ways you can do it. They'll help you ha- uh, figure out how to do it. They'll also help you with local codes and ordinances and whatever else and find ways so that if you're living in a community that's not totally comfortable with that yet, there's ways that you can uh, get them there and help push them there uh, nicely, assertively. But uh, let's all let's move forward on this. And, of course, MotherEarthNews.com forward slash organic dash gardening. Uh, so go there. They've got a host of stuff. It's always updating and changing. If you're new to gardening, uh, that's fine. That's a great resource figuring out things that you can do even with limited space even with uh, inside gardening outside gardening container gardening backyard gardening community gardening you name it um, there's three resources right there uh, so uh, so there you have it I mean uh, hopefully we've given you some stuff that, uh, that you can Sean you want to say anything about that well before we I go just want to wanna, it, I know it's not customary but I want to add one more thing and, and that is to, to go on into a Google search and type who owns what and then look <laughs> oh, at the good. images yeah, yeah, of yeah. with respect to food and there are basically seven companies that own all food that is produced that you find in a supermarket and and that is that cannot stand that no that it's is, that is not it's, sustainable it's and that is grave not injustice and that is that is not in our best interest as consumers and citizens yes yes and we can change it uh one garden at a time one farm at a time uh, one homestead at a time. Uh, uh, before we get out of here, I want to do a win. Uh, this is kind of related to what we talked about, uh, largely in response to pressure from activists like you, listener. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals recently ruled against the EPA's approval of Dow Agrosciences Sulfoxaflor, a neonicotinoid pesticide shown to be highly toxic to bees. They ruled against it. So because of this victory, Sulfoxaflor will be coming off the market in the United States. Well done, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. You got one right. Wow, winning. Uh, well, uh, what do you know? That's the show. Uh, the site, UpsideDownTron.com. Get there. If you haven't gotten there already, you can shoot us an email, UpsideDownTron at gmail.com. Uh, of course, uh, in addition to the website, we're on iTunes. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We'll come to you twice a month. Uh, we got the YouTube channel up. We got a couple things up there already. We're going to put more soon. Sean's working on something from uh, from a little weekend we had uh, last month with the boys. We did a little interview and got a great conversation going, so that's going to be coming down the pike shortly. Uh, you can mail us something, UpsideDownTron, 818 South. Southwest 3rd Avenue, number 292, Portland, Oregon, 97204. Sean, I don't think this was our worst show. It was our hungriest show. <laughs> I am hungry. I don't know about you. Do we burn calories when we do this? Uh, we do. Maybe, uh, the, yeah, okay. The Holy Trinity with a W. Think critically, feel deeply, and ask questions. For what purpose, to what end, and at what cost, Monsanto? Um, <clears throat> in honor of the holidays, Sean, we'll be asking those very questions during our next show when we discuss tradition, custom, and convention. Ooh, the evil mm. trinity. Yeah, that's Sean takes that personally, so that's going to be interesting. And remember, resistance is fertile. Before we go, here are some words to live by. Good Christ, I'm hungry. Yes, I'm hungry. Fat and soft and American and hungry. We're all hungry, so... Let's eat! Let's eat! Sean this is Scott Mullen saying, when life gets you down, always remember to look at the upside-down trotting. You want more?